So yesterday at about uh, 45 minutes from now, uh, yesterday, at like 12.15, it seemed like everybody that was holding their breath, worried about those two young girls in Algonquin Park, was able to let out a sigh of relief. It was a collective ah, for those two girls, Maya and Marta, who were found by one of four search and rescue dog teams that were assigned to follow the hiking trail where the girls had last been seen. Um, a dog, a two-year-old by the name of Zoe, two-and-a-half-year-old, found the girls. John King joins us right now. He's one of the constables with the OPP canine unit, and he was actually um, one of the four uh, dog team leaders. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much. So um, yesterday you guys set out along the trail. How did that search go down? Did you did they drop you at the differing areas of the trail where the girls were last seen? Yeah, absolutely. So when the when the search actually began uh, back on uh, late Friday, early Saturday, I guess um, there's search techniques that our search managers will use will use initially, and then as the search progresses, um, just using uh, their knowledge and skills of the area um, and the resources that we have, they deploy us in strategic areas that they think we might be able to find them. So just based on all the information gathered over the three days, um, using the place last seen and areas that had already been covered, uh, they deployed the four search teams in uh, four different areas. So is, is it strategic that you would wait a while before sending out the dogs? No, actually, the dogs are probably one of the first resources that get sent out for any missing person or lost person scenario. Um, the earlier we can get the dogs on the ground and the earlier we can get the dogs searching, the better they're going to be. So it was yesterday, uh, we understand that Zoe found them within 90 minutes. She started to get really excited and caught the trail. But was yesterday the first day that you guys had the dogs out? No, the dogs were actually deployed okay. as the first wave of response. So once the initial road officers receive the call um, from the, the camping group, they attend the location, gather the information, and then they start making requests for resources. Uh, the dog team are just one section of resource that we can utilize. There's helicopters, there's boats, there's ground searchers. Uh, there's a whole uh, wide variety of, of resources. But when it comes to missing and lost people, the dogs and the helicopters are usually the first ones called. So you've been out for four days with the uh, dogs looking for these girls. At day four, what are your, um, what's your attitude like at day four? Um, by yesterday when we were hitting the park, I mean, everybody's a little bit tense and, and you want to find them as soon as you can. Our goal with any missing and lost person is to find them as soon as we can in the best possible shape we can. Um, we were very confident in this particular case. The girls did have some uh, camping and hiking experience. Uh, they weren't you know, completely new to the area. They had a tent, they had some food. Um, so that really extends the search window for us to be able to find them. Um, and although it is a very serious priority, we want to find them as soon as we can. We knew that they were going to be okay for a little bit longer than normal. Yesterday we had uh, one of your spokespeople on, on the show and Bill Dixon was saying that, you know, they did, the OPP were asking the members of the public not to go and, you know, help with the search and rescue because they were really concerned about the dogs getting mixed up with the scents because you don't want that you want them to be on the trail of the girls, not other people and get confused. Um, how does it work? I mean, in the movies, you always see somebody grab a piece of clothing that the girls were once wearing and give it to the dogs and then away they go. Yeah, it's not quite like it is in the movies. Um, we we imprint our dogs, our search dogs, on basically human scent. Um, we usually select dogs that have a very high play drive, a very high drive to want to work. Uh, and in particular with the search and rescue dogs, they're very people friendly. They love people, they love affection, they love to play, and they love to work. So once we pair that desire and that ability to work with the human scent, um, they realize that if they find this fresh human scent, 
they get their ball, they get play, they get reward, which is the one thing that they really, really want. Um, with respect to having other people in the park, um, we tend to operate on what's called the freshest human scent principle. So when we're in an area searching, say Algonquin Park, which is thousands of square kilometers, we're going to hope to come across uh, the scent that's either been left on the ground or that's been stirred up in the air by these missing girls. And once those dogs get that scent in their nose, they're going to explore that. They're going to have a, a very significant body change. And that's the, that's the handler's main job is to work the dog in the areas where we think we might find them and then observe their dog for that behavior change. When that behavior change is indicated, the dog is going to go explore that and try and find the source of that human scent, knowing that he's going to get his ball, his play, the things he really wants. So by having other people walking around in the park, uh, the dogs are going to be finding them. And those aren't the people we want to find at this particular point. We want to find the missing girls. John, you, you spoke about body change. What does that look like? Um, well, you've got a, you know, you've got a 40, 45-pound lab uh, that's running around, wagging its tail, um, searching on the ground, searching in the air, uh, very loose, very relaxed, um, running and searching. They know what their job is. They know what they're doing. But when they get that scent in their, in their nose, it really changes their body, their body, their tails. Every dog is different first off, and that's why uh, it's the handler's responsibility uh, to know their dogs through you know, thousands of scenarios, hundreds of scenarios and hundreds of training tracks. We can become very, very adept at reading our dogs. And every dog is different, but for example, you'll see things like their tail will wag differently. It'll be a, you know, a stiff tail wag versus a curved tail wag. Uh, ears will become, um, although lab's ears don't stand up, their, their foreheads their, will become tense. Their bodies will become rigid, and they'll become very tense when they're trying to hone in on that human scent. So by doing that, we notice the body change, and then that's when we explore the particular area that the dog wants to go. I read that Zoe became excited and that she uh, proceeded down the trail. Are the dogs leashed or off-leash? So initially, um, in this particular scenario, the dogs were not leashed. Um, but ideally, when we arrive at a scene, if we have a place last seen of a missing person and somebody can say, hey, they were last seen right here, we can put the dogs on lead and we can attempt to establish a track, which the dog will pick up the scent off the ground. Uh, beyond that, once we, once we no longer, say, have a place last seen or the track isn't working, we take the dogs off lead. These are, you know, passive detection dogs, and their specialty is human scent. So they're very, they're very fun. They're very uh, energetic. They're very high drive, but they're non-aggressive. The yeah. only thing they want to do is find people and play. The reason so by why... Taking them off lead, yeah. By taking, by them, taking off them off lead, it really eliminates um, the getting tangled up with the lead because, I mean, especially in Algonquin Park, that, that park is very rugged. The terrain is very difficult to navigate. Um, so by letting them just be a dog and run free, they're able to be utilized a lot more effectively. Yeah, the reason why I asked was I wanted to know um, just if they, you know, you, you know, would take off, if they were really onto a scent and how you would, you know, then have to track your dog. But, you know, that clarified everything. How many, what's the percentage of false alarms like? I'm sorry? What's the false percentage of false for... alarms when you're on a search and rescue mission and the dog picks up like a false scent? Um very, very low. Okay. Uh, they don't get rewarded for anything but human scent. So, um, for example, if, you know, in training we establish an issue where the dog is showing interest in something he shouldn't, we train that out of them. So we will work them through that so that they realize by showing interest in that particular thing that's not a desired outcome, they don't get rewarded. Do they get so, rewarded if they come across somebody that, you know, is a person? So they're onto a scent of a person, but it's the wrong person. Do they get some Absolutely. sort of reward? Because they- 
Absolutely, because that's what they're trained to do. They're trained to find people. And that gets back to not having a large amount of searchers out in Algonquin Park walking the trails because then our dogs will start finding them. When we're operating on a principle that we're looking for the lost per- the persons in that particular area, so that's why it helps. I mean, although I know civilians love to help and they love to come out, and oftentimes they can provide a, a very valuable resource in a search. In this particular one, given Algonquin Park and the terrain, it was better to just let the dogs work. What is the reward? You, you mentioned it was a ball, but when you get to the level of having the dog trained up so that it's ready to work, what's the reward now? It's a ball. It's, it's still it's a, ball. a ball. It's affection. That's all they want. They they have such a high play drive. Uh, they want ball. They want affection. They want to be around people. Um, that's that's what they work for. No submarine sandwich or anything like that. No sandwiches. <laughs> no nothing. Um, labs. At least Zoe was a lab. Why are they preferable as a breed? Uh, labs are, are preferable. First off, they're they're usually fun loving dogs. Mm-hmm. They have a very very high work slash play drive. Um, they have incredible noses and very, they're very non-aggressive. They're, we have um, no issues, no concerns about them, maybe nipping somebody or biting somebody because they just don't do that. They, we select dogs that are very playful, very high drive, and that, you know, they're passive detection. When they find what they're looking for, they'll bark. Because in training, when they find what they're looking for, when they bark at the person they found, that person will give them a ball. In training, so we just build that up over you know weeks and months and, and hundreds of tracks. Then the transition begins. They find the person. They bark, 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 bark. But then the handler comes up and rewards them because oftentimes people lost in the woods don't bring a ball for the dog when the dog finds them. So um, we, it's just through training. That's what they. That's what they work for. That's what they want. I don't know about anybody else, but I'm bringing a ball whenever I go for a hike now. That'd be a good idea. Wouldn't be bad. A ball and some, maybe some dog cookies. Um, yeah, they'd probably appreciate that. They are labs. I want to, what about a border collie? How would that work? Are they just too high, uh, just too neurotic and maybe too intense of a working dog to use for a search and rescue? Or? Um, well, our, tra- our training cadre in Aurelia, um, one of their jobs is dog selection. And um, other than speaking very generically about the dogs we select, uh, historically we use, you know, shepherds and Belgian Malinois for our general service and labs for our search and rescue or detection programs. Um, every different breed of dog brings different skill sets. They bring, some dogs are really good at A and B, but not so good at C and D. When we use labs, they're pretty good at everything the police need them to do, whether it's, you know, the high play drive, the agility, the endurance, the loyalty, the willingness to please, like just things like that. The labs tend to do very, very well across the board. So that's why we select them. Is your partner a lab? Yes, mine is also a chocolate lab, actually. Is it a female or a male? Who is your partner? Uh, my partner is Stella. She's a four-year-old chocolate lab. How um, much do you want to yell, Stella, during the search and rescue mission? It, ha- it happens quite often. I would find that hard to you, resist. Yeah, well, it's, yep, it happens. Do, do, do you guys live with the dogs that you're partnered up with? We do, yeah. So um, most handlers in the OPP, we all there's approximately 27 active handlers in the OPP. We all have a general service dog. So that's the typical police dog you see, either the Shepherd or the Malinois. That's our primary dog. Mm-hmm. And I believe almost every handler now has a secondary passive detection dog, whether it's search and rescue, explosives, drugs, or cadaver. We all have a second dog now. So there's approximately 11 search and rescue dogs across the province. So that's why, you know, as the search went on in Algonquin Park, the mm-hmm. OPP is able to pull resources in from outer areas. So Algonquin Park is technically part of East Region. I'm in Central Region, but they bring us all in to help out as the search progresses. John, when you're off, the partner's off? 
Yep, they're in the backyard just being a dog. Amazing. All right. Well, I thank you for your time today, and uh, it's really interesting stuff. I think a lot of people were curious about how these dogs work and, and how they work with you, the trainers. So thanks so much for filling us in. You're very welcome. And congratulations on a successful uh, search and rescue yesterday. I will pass that along to Officer Gannon. Cheers. That's John King. He's a constable with the OPP canine unit. Interesting stuff, I think.